Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Multi-Site Masters podcast. This is the podcast series that explores the art of leading and growing multi-site businesses, especially in the hospitality and retail sectors. So my name is Lee Sheldon and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm also co-founder of the MMU Training and Development Consultancy, in which we're dedicated to helping managers achieve consistent operational excellence, leading to sustained superior performance. So welcome back to another episode of the Multi-Site Masters and today I'm really pleased to be interviewing an operations director with, as I'm, you're about to hear, a real breadth of experience, not just in retail but also in the licensed trade, uh, was a consultant himself for a while and also more recently and currently in the coffee bakery retail sector. Uh, this is Gary Cowles of Paul UK that we're going to be speaking to and I think three things that really stood out for me as you uh, get ready to listen to this to listen out for is the importance he and his team place on quality, uh, product quality, product training, uh, to ensure customer awareness and staff's ability to competently talk about the product with confidence and competence. The challenge, the people challenge, zero to three months that they have particularly, but also things they're doing to develop their Rising Stars program, to give people uh, succession for the future. And his views on operational excellence are great. Watch out for a really clear and succinct operational excellence definition and four key coaching behaviours or operational behaviours that he believes are critical to success. So here we are for another episode of the Multi-Site Masters and today I'm sitting in, I suppose, like NATO headquarters for Paul, the French patisserie bakery firm, uh, who you may recall me mentioning last year have the most amazing mince pie croissant. Now we are dating this by saying this, but when it comes live, we'll find out soon from Gary when it's going live, you have got to go and try it. Gary, welcome to the Multi-Site Masters podcast. Thank you for your time today. Nice uh, to be here. Though. Perhaps you could tell us a little about you and then a bit more about Paul. Okay. Um, a bit about me. Um, I've been in the industry for oh, 25 plus years, let's say that. Um, started off in the pub industry whilst at university, uh, working behind the bar. Progressed through that to become a pub manager when I was relatively young and still at university, actually. Um, then... Um, Aspired to go into multi-site management, um, applied to numerous graduate training schemes um, and ended up going to work for Lidl in their early days in the UK, opening um, uh, opening discount supermarkets, which was um, very exciting, very hard work, long hours, very demanding. Um, and I did that for two and a half years, uh, missed... The so let's call it the social aspect of the pub <laughs> pub industry. Yeah. So uh, applied for area management roles within the pub industry, and then went to work with Green King just after they um, merged with Magic Pub Company. So uh, spent two and a half, three years with them. Then moved to uh, what was then Bass Leisure Retail, turned into Mitchells and Butlers, where I spent the proportion of my career really, um, working on a number of brands and a number of support roles before becoming a retail director with them, with Scream. Um, then uh, when Stonegate was formed, uh, when 333 pubs were bought from M&B by TDR Capital, um, I went over to Stonegate, um, spent two and a half years, three years there, 
um, before setting up my own business as a consultant in London. And then about three years ago, um, I did some work for Paul, met Jean-Michel, um, and joined them as operations director. Wow, um, and I think for me, just illustrating in two minutes, one of the reasons I wanted to, to chat with you today, Gary, is that you've had this experience from publican, uh, retail grocery, consultancy, back into well, back into pubs before that, but also obviously more recently now in the uh, uh, bakery and coffee sector. Yeah. So here we are in Paul. Not everyone listening to this will necessarily know a Paul store, although you really must go hunt, hunt one down. So tell us a little bit about Paul. Paul is a family-owned French French bakery and patisserie uh, business that has been uh, that can be traced back to eighteen eighty nine. So. Um, very, uh, a very, uh, very passionate business that is steeped in heritage. Um, that means that actually there are some wonderful, wonderful um, products that we um, produce to very, very strict recipes. Mm. Um, but also gives us the challenge of of trying to innovate and um, modernize within a very traditional environment Mm -hmm. now in the uk how long what's the presence been in the uk how many stores uh presence been in the uk since around 2000 um we currently operate um 37 stores in the uk um on a number of formats, we've got two restaurants, a number of small kiosks, mm-hmm. um, one one um, one express unit, um, and a, a number of neighbourhood neighbourhood bakeries. Um, we've operated about thirty five to thirty seven stores for the three years I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking to grow that to fifty plus in the next three years. Okay, so some ambitious growth plans. We've got a category, and we were looking at the Allegra Project Cafe report a few days ago, and they were talking about the the growth is still happening in coffee, but it has slowed down. But 81% of people are saying they go to a coffee shop at least once a week and spending over £9.6 billion a year. So it's obviously a significant category. It's a crowded market, though. What do you think, and you alluded to the kind of family heritage and the great products, so maybe that's the answer to this, but what for you is making Paul stand out? Why do you, how do you differentiate yourselves? We certainly try to differentiate ourselves with the quality of our product. Um, in, in, in some ways, um, it, it is a massive asset, hmm. but sometimes we haven't necessarily got the balance between our product focus and our consumer focus. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't necessarily got that balance right all of the time. The product is absolutely king for us. So um, the freshness of the product, the way we produce product, um, the way we try to produce just in time in terms of freshness of baking, mm-hmm. etc., etc., is is absolutely key to what we do. So it's quite it's quite complicated, um, and, and puts quite high, high demands on the on the staff, but. Our croissant should be the best croissant you get mm-hmm. in the UK today. The most authentic and the, the, the most freshly produced. Um, and in, in terms of growing coffee, we've got a, a fantastic breakfast deal for with a croissant and a, and a coffee at a, at a price point. And that drives the vast majority of our coffee sales and indeed is in significant growth year on year and we've seen that growth 
continue over a three year period. But you'd still say that the product quality of the the, the food, obviously, and the coffee is is the big differentiator. You mentioned the the balance, the, the challenge between product focus and consumer focus. Where do you think you've made that got that wrong, and what what have you learned from that? Um, we often, when we're looking to innovate and um, bring new products to market, we we haven't been wholly successful with that, and I think that's because we haven't necessarily understood. Um, where our product would sit in terms of a consumer mindset. Um, a lot of our influence comes from France, the British consumer is, is, is very, very different from a French consumer. Uh, our business operates slightly differently in terms of its sales mix. And um, and actually, most of our, our new product development historically has been around the patisserie category, which is great and, and, uh, and helps us drive our average transaction value up to, to, to um, a, a, a really healthy level. But actually it's only sort of 20% of our sales mix. The, 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 the rest of it sits within within lunchtime categories, sandwiches, salads, etc., or, or indeed the breakfast category that we're making, we, we, we were speaking about earlier. So um, actually the consumer demand sits in those two areas, all our MPDs being sat in a fifth of the business rather than the, the, right. the, the whole of the business. And now we, we're certainly trying to um, adopt to food trends and, ref, and, and, and do far more consumer research and understanding of the consumer. So we are ma- matching breads to sandwich fillings. We've got some really exciting uh, Christmas sandwiches coming out um, where we the, 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 the taste profile of the filling is matched to the, the, the bread. Um, and, and and that to me is is bringing together what the consumer wants from us in terms of um, freshly produced, freshly prepared sandwiches in store, and um, making sure our MPD sits in um, and reflects that consumer demand. Okay, so we've spoken about the the market from the consumer's perspective and how you think you can stand out. Just want to flip it on its head in a sense to the employee perspective. So again, uh, plenty of people could come and work for plenty of different coffee and bakery and patisserie brands. Again, why Paul? What, what would be, a, is it the family heritage? Um, we are small enough, still small enough for people to have um, a um, a relationship with the management team. I think that, that that's fundamentally important. We, as everyone else is at the moment, the, the, the recruitment is becoming more more and more challenging. And, and, and for us, it, 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 it is about how we retain people and how we treat people and, and, um, and building a level of trust and ownership throughout the organisation. It, it is something that, that is foremost of them on our minds and because we are relatively small mm-hmm. because we have um, relatively um, small spans of operation in, in with regards to the operations managers remit we certainly feel that that we are able to communicate more effectively with with the management and team than we have done in the past I was listening to a podcast uh, with Andreas Carlson, who's MD of Sticks and Sushi. Yeah. He made a great point the other day, and they were discussing some of the, kind of the macroeconomic challenges of labour. We all know, particularly in London, how 
difficult that can be to find good people. But his argument was, if you are good, they will still find you. So yes, it's the, the, the market, the pool's smaller perhaps, more challenging, yeah. but if you're good, they'll come. And the other thing is, our staff tend to be very, very proud of the product they produce. Mm. Okay, they, they do see it as being best in class. They do see our sandwiches as being the fresh, the, the, the freshest and the best quality sandwich on the marketplace. Um, they do see our croissant as being that. And our production staff in particular are immensely proud of, 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 of the product they, they, they produce. And, and, and actually, the level of loyalty we've got in terms of GM turnover, actually, is, uh, touch wood, I, I mean, over the last 12 to 18 months, our turnover has been incredibly low. Um, we've got great development plan in place for, for, for growing team members up through the ranks to become managers. Yeah. Um, and and that, that personal development focus has, has helped us reduce levels of turnover in management. Um, this is the Rising Stars programme. Yeah, yeah, the Rising Stars programme. So, so, so that's been success. It's our, our biggest challenge with people is 0 to 3 months onboarding people into the business, building their confidence in both our products, because we have quite a few products, um, understanding how we um, manipulate the, our displays um, and how we interact with the customers, because we've still, we've got a very old fashioned counter service model rather than a grab and go model, which in some ways is um, is a very, a very positive thing because it enables us to have personal interaction with our customers in a way that we, we think is very precious and very important to us. But actually it also puts our staff in, in quite an exposed environment mm. where if they haven't got the confidence and the product knowledge, they can't really meet the needs needs or the expectations of our customers. And and how we nurture and, and, and develop their confidence in that regard is, is really, really important in the coming months and, and years so that we um, are able to, 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 to build a customer service culture that, that is um, the best in the industry, really. Just to echo that, I've, my personal experience of going to your stores is the pride and the, the desire to want to talk about the products. Um, I would say the opportunity we were discussing before we started recording was that, one, you know, we call it uptelling, but yeah. this idea of wanting to proactively tell people. Yeah. When you ask them, they are ha- happily tell you yeah. about the ingredients, how it's prepared, etc. But it's not like this, so that proactive step, which I think most uh, people in this sector would say is, is, a, is a real challenge. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's come up, certainly from the external environment recently, has been obviously a lot of focus on allergens and with tragic case of someone dying, etc., in which we all, we all heard about. And I've probably heard two examples recently in one of your stores, someone asking a question, and I was really impressed at the level of knowledge that they seemed to be able to get to very quickly. It wasn't yeah. that almost, oh God, don't ask me this question, I don't know. They seem to know it. Whereas in another brand, I won't mention their name, but the person clearly just didn't have the information to yeah. hand. How important is that kind of product knowledge training piece to you because you've said how important the product quality is it it, it is fundamentally important in 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 terms of the managing the the risk within the business Mm. um the way that we produce products in 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 store means that that actually we we need people to, to to fully understand whether it's an intolerance or whether it's an allergen 
that, 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 that we're dealing with in terms of the customer interaction because actually cross-contamination is it, it is something that, that um, we're, we're not able to manage effectively because the way we, we, we produce. Um, and it is really, really important for our staff to understand the limitations of what we're able to guarantee in terms of the offer with regard to, to, to people's safety. Um, and, and within that now, what we're doing is everyone who, who on board to the business spends their first week in production. So everyone um, spends their first week making sandwiches, understanding the production, making croissant, um, so that actually they know the products mm-hmm. and they've got a level of, of confidence with the products before we start to introduce that interaction with the customer. Regardless, so if they're going to be serving on the cashier, it doesn't matter, they are a week. Everyone who joins the business spend, spends their first week to 10 days in, in the production area, understanding the products and understanding what we're selling and how things are produced so that when, when, when those customers do have questions, they're in a position to know the answers because one, they understand the products because they've done their product knowledge, but secondly, they have worked in an environment where those products are being produced. Um, so they've got a level of confidence because they've seen and done it rather than just being told something. Okay, I mean, you've touched upon something there which I put under the heading of operational excellence and how we make sure we have a process in place in this yeah. case about uh, so intolerance and, and food allergens. What does uh, operational excellence mean to you, Gary? It's doing the simple things well. Yeah, nice. Succinctly put. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, it, oh, my team get very fed up with me using the strategies. <laughs> but for me, I think there, there, there's a level of expectation that, that um, we need to have about our business. The clean, tidy, well-presented people have got a level of pride in what they're doing. And, and the challenge for us as leaders is how to nurture that and develop that. Um, Service should be um, quick, efficient, and appropriate for the time of day. You know, if I'm if we if we if we've got a queue going out the door, my my um, my service experience or or my my expectation as a customer is I'm going to be served quickly and efficiently. Okay, if there's no one there and I'm I'm standing and I'm browsing, actually I want some interaction and and, and what yeah. have you, and and um and allowing people to express their own personalities within that interaction with with, with with the customer is really, really important, but it needs to be appropriate. And we need to give people the um, the, the skills and knowledge to, to, to be able to make the right decision in, the, in, in, in those sort of um, situations. And I think our, our product's got to look absolutely fantastic. Mm. I mean, we, we, we do spend an awful lot of time um, checking our products. Uh, you know, the, the bait quality of it, the, the, whether the um, placards or the layout before baking is um, to specification to allow each individual product to be baked to its optimum. Um, and, and, and there's a big team behind that that, that works tirelessly to make that happen. 
I, uh, I had the uh, pleasure recently of spending a day out with one of Gary's team and his role, I think, would be fair to say, is operational product excellence. And one of the things I think he did really well is that you could have that mantra. Uh, we talk about this before in other podcasts. You can either create a culture of commitment or compliance. And it'd be very easy to go down the compliance route. And I'm a great believer in if you expect it, inspect it. However, what he did was it was about catching people doing something right. So he was giving people praise about the quality of the baking, um, whether it be the displays of full, whatever it might be. Yeah. But he was looking for opportunities to say, great job. Of course, he picked up if there was issues to pick up on as well. But it was not... I'm catching you doing something wrong it's not the, the cop mentality i think we, we we about a year ago we i was looking at we we were starting to get to a point where actually the the the, the, the there was a lot of criticism in the business there there, there wasn't a great deal of encouragement hmm. and um i, I was reading a, I was reading an autobiography of a old Liverpool winger that used to be quite um, a, um, a, a favourite of mine when I was younger called Steve Highway who, who did a lot of work with um, the youth team at Liverpool and um, he, the, the, there were four words that, that, that he, he used when, when, when coaching and developing young players around um, engaging with them, confronting them um, with, with what they've seen inspiring them and then going back and checking and actually we, we, we um, I introduced those words to my team and asked them to think about how that could affect their, their mm. shop visits and their behaviours and um, we have since that time always just had those four words um, up around our meeting rooms during our meetings and just and just done some reflection on it and just with any interaction we're, 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 we're having with with um, uh, team members or 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 or, um, or managers, just make sure we've engaged with the individual first, mm-hmm. and that engagement is is positive. We can then confront most most issues, be good, bad, indifferent. Actually, with with a level of of of, um, of of shared ownership, and then as long as we we leave them in a position where where, where the final interaction has been pretty pretty inspiring that we tend to see an improvement but if we don't go back and check it's not going to move mm-hmm. <laughs> okay right, yeah, right. Yeah. if we don't go back and check it's not going to it, it, it won't loop and and equally the, within that the, the, there has to be a level of integrity and, and if, if we've asked someone to improve their performance we, we need to go back and check and add value to that process and say well done or, or, or continue the challenge in your experience this your four words are engage, I think, confront, inspire, and, and that check, or check back. Is that, would you say that's your your mantra for operational excellence? Is that how your principles that, that you believe will deliver it? So, I think that has taken us to a point of improvement now where we've, I, I, I think, we, we don't have a business that sits below four stars EHO. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got four, three businesses on four stars. Everyone else is on five stars. We've got an audit process that sits behind that, and, and we religiously push through to 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 get that balance right. I think it's taken us to a point. Mm-hmm. The next challenge for me is how do we move beyond the point that we've got to? Mm-hmm. Um, and those words may form part of that, 
but I equally think it's it, it it's up to my team now to 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 establish how they want to move that forward and how they 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 take it forward. The principles there, but how they make it live into the business, I think, is part and parcel of what we need to do as a team next year to drive drive performance onto the next level. Okay, so. Talk to me about, let's say you're going out on a visit as an operations director with one of your operations managers, multi-site manager. They have, what, eight to ten stores-ish? Yeah. Okay. What would your approach be to, if you were writing a best practice manual for what an ops director should do when he or she's out with an ops manager on a site visit, what's your approach? Do some homework first. Okay. Do your preparation. So, what do you want to get out of the visit? Um, What are the issues? That, that, that each individual shop are, are facing and, and what are the potential solutions to some of the challenges that, that, that are there. Um, for two reasons, one, one you, you want to add value to the business when, 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 when you're out, absolutely, but, but equally in terms of, of gauging um, how your um, how your team are, are, are approaching some of the challenges they've got in the field, mm. what their thought processes are. I think we're all very, very busy. So sometimes we, like, uh, ops managers walking into shops on the phone, <laughs> you know, yeah. not pausing outside, not doing a customer walk. I think but uh, for me, wearing... An, Making sure that, that that I've done my homework. I know I know the numbers. I know the numbers uh, as well, if not better than they do. If I know them better than they do, that's a slight problem. But um, <laughs> you, you know, I, I I know the numbers. I know the trend of the business. I know the people. Um, and then the, the the piece for me is to be the customer. Yeah. As well, okay, because I'm removed and I can put my customer hat on and I can approach the business as a customer and I can walk in and I can look at it as a customer. Um, and then um, I just absorb it. You, you, you feel it. They, I think anyone who's, who's been in operations for, for any length of time can walk into to, to any one of their, their, their establishments and understand whether it's a well-organised, well-briefed team or whether there's an element of chaos sitting behind the scenes and, and, and it's an unhappy unhappy ship and it's not about having happy people but um, it is about having a high performing team and if you if every team that I've been in that has, high, has been high performing actually has also been a really quite happy and and, and um, rewarding environment to be in so I don't think the two are mutually exclusive but when you get them together you tend to get um, far better retention yeah far better development and a far better business performance and how do you when you're out because i completely agree you can feel it you can absolutely feel it and see it in terms of the operation um how do you stop yourself from almost playing then the role of the multi manager and jumping in and correcting or chat directing what you're seeing or what you want to be seeing rather than if you like coaching the operations manager to coach the store manager how do you prevent yourself from becoming that player Sometimes it's quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, but uh, I, I think it's um, uh, for me. It is about stepping back mm-hmm. and 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 not getting sucked into the absolute 
absolute detail right and being more focused on what the plan is and how we're going to get a plan in place to find a solution rather than the fact that we've got a problem yeah, the, yeah. the problem by the fact that you've, you've identified your problem is is is, is yesterday's problem yeah <laughs> fight, fight. Mm-hmm. so and it's it's interesting we we uh, as a management team, if we if we're in the store and we're getting involved in store operations, we 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 have to don a white coat. Okay, it's not the most flattering look, but <laughs> but it's um it's uh, it, it it's part of the business. And I always walk around with a white coat. Okay, um, if I have to put my white coat on, that means that there's a problem that needs to be resolved there and then. And um, I think uh, the times that I'm putting my white coat on now are becoming less and less and less and less as we move move there. And now there is a, a, a level of, of I think we've got a little bit of group thought going on that if Gary's put his white coat on, we're, <laughs> we're not in a place where, we're, where we want to be. I think there's a joke there about many white coats, but I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna no, don't steal go there, away. I can tell listeners though there's there's a white coat uh, on the back of the door where we're filming. So <laughs> um, I heard it put beautifully the other day on the podcast that some again I was guy I was listening to. He was talking about controlling your inner coaching monster, and he said basically yeah. this this thing wells up inside you, going right, I can add value now, yeah. and I can tell, I can help this person, and sometimes that is the right thing to do, but often yeah. it isn't, and particularly I think at the more senior level, it's that I, I have to say holding back or shutting up is, is yeah. often the skill that you've got to see does the operations manager see it in the same way as you do because it's the first hurdle if they don't and then if they do how are they helping the store managers to see it because if they don't see it that's the next hurdle we've got two ears for a reason yeah absolutely yes Uh, mr coffee i think you said yeah use them in proportion um are there any other lessons that you've learned over as you say kind of varied career from retail the publican uh back to uh, consultancy and, and now coffee and bakery any other key lessons that you think that's something that's really shaped my career and shaped how I do things. Be true to yourself, actually. Be true to yourself in terms of the values you set and how you how you you um, want to be treated and how you want to manage and and inspire people. I think sometimes we. As you career, as you go through your careers, you, you you've done. I'm sure we've all done jobs that we like and jobs that we don't like. People that we've worked with that we find inspiring, and people that we work with that we find less inspiring. And I think, um, yeah, but we uh, over time you develop a style that is effective for for for, for you as an individual leader. Um, and I think. Um, the the thing that I've learned is actually being true to that and consistent to that has has certainly helped me um, help me develop the career that, that that I've managed to develop and it helps me within role at the moment and helps me um, uh, deliver a level of, of performance within the business that that, that that it's doing and and sometimes within organisations people try to 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 to, to um, or lose themselves within an organisation. So so I think my, my piece of advice is, you know, remember who you are. Yeah. Remember you're an individual, and remember that actually, if you are a, if you've been a talented leader in the past, then then 
you're going to be a talented leader moving forward. Okay, that's a beautiful segue to moving forward in terms of future. What do you see personally? How do you develop yourself? What do you do to keep growing? Read. Quite like reading. Um, it's quite it's quite interesting that it be, because I travel in London a lot. And I'm on the tube and what have you. So, reading has moved on to audio books and just listening. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, podcasts um, are, are also really interesting. And then uh, and then the other thing I'm doing with my team at the moment is is it is we do the equivalent of a book club, and it's not about. Um, it, it it's not necessarily about people reading a book because they can they, they can assimilate the information however they want. But um, we, we talk as a team every every meeting about um, a hot topic, and then we have some elements of be it TED Talk or be it podcast or be it around the challenges that we've got. Be it growing sales, delivering labour or um, uh, communication is a big thing for us about at, at this moment in time. So looking at, 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 at ways that we can learn from each other and, and then we, um, we, we spend about 15 minutes at a team meeting just talking through what we took out of the education we've been I think it's fantastic, Gary, and the fact that you role model it and you are doing it, they know to come into that meeting that you would have read an article or say listen to a podcast, so and I think it encourages them to do the same. Is there any audiobooks or podcasts that you'd say, Oh, this is really worth our listeners checking out? Uh, I'm, you're on the spot here. <laughs> I'm going back. If I, That's fine. If I, if I, it's quite interesting because at the moment we um I've turned the clock right back, so so at the moment I'm revisiting and we're visiting good to great. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, there's an awful lot of common sense in that. And sometimes within um, the um, within the environment you're in, you, you, you forget the lessons that you've learned in the yeah. past. Actually, you, you know, arguably, uh, when, when I last read good to great, we were just going to go, we were just going into of a session and there's a level of uncertainty and, 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 and actually the lessons in that served me um, well during that time. Actually now we're just going into a big level of uncertainty with um, with the dreaded B word <laughs> and um, it, you know the market is, is patchy at best so actually revisiting it at this time isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing and it's a good book for my team to read at the moment so We've got um, a meeting tomorrow and, and we've got 20 minutes talking about what they got out of, uh, of Jim Collins' book. And my last question then, uh, on that theme, what do you think Paul needs to do to get from good to great? Um, we need to continue the journey we're on with our, with our people, products and the, the shop environment. Um, we, we certainly need to, to, to go through... Um, a modernisation in the way that we communicate and the way that we train our people is very paper-based and there are far more effective ways to engage with um, millennials and Generation Z than we, 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 we've employed at the moment and there's huge upside for that. We've got a whole piece around um, exploring 
our digital environment in terms of online sales, in terms of business to business, we we haven't mm -hmm. we, we, we haven't leveraged that anywhere near effect as effectively as we need to be. So, so for me, it, it's about um, working on um, some training and development that, that that's right for the workforce that we've currently got, mm -hmm. whilst whilst diversifying the business away from purely a retail environment into a more online online business to business um, opportunity because our products are great so yeah. actually if we one of the um, challenges we've got is people really don't know Paul it's a pretty you know actually at first sight it can appear quite a stuffy brand it can sort of it doesn't really engage it would be just on a whole load of research and the research is Oh yeah, but you're a cake business. Well, well, actually, I'm not really a cake business. So we 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 aren't really a cake business. Twenty percent of my uh, business is cake. People visit us relatively infrequently for cake. They, they, those that visit us regularly love and, and and enjoy our sandwiches, and 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 we need to do that. So part of our mission is to is to put our product in people's mouths. So we do do quite a lot of sampling. We 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 do do quite a lot of giveaway, but but also in terms of developing a business-to-business -business catering business that enables us to put our, our, our food and our branding on people's tables and they taste us and normally when they taste us they like us and then we can grow grow other aspects of the business with that. So, so the more of my food I can put in people's mouths, the, the, that, that, that for me is the best PR I can do. And I, recent, I, mean, I tweeted about this a little while ago, I've only just got a keep cup a bit yeah. late to the party, but I've got one, and I and you've got, I think, if not the joint best, perhaps joint best offer on the high street in terms of I think fifty p discount yeah. for coffee, uh, and your loyalty card, which again I'm quite late coming to, is a very good loyalty scheme. So yeah. listeners, if you haven't already got one, get out there and get one because um, it gives you, I think, everything. The tenth one is free. Whether that's a sandwich, a lot of the coffee shops, just, it's just coffee, but yours yeah. is food as well. So it's uh, it's a very good deal. Yeah. Gary, thank you for your time today. Pleasure. And uh, I, I say dating this, we uh, this episode is going to be going out probably mid-November. So the Christmas range, I think you were telling me earlier, hits about the 6th of November. Yeah, so, so um, it's... Yeah, the Christmas sandwiches going from the 6th of uh, uh, November and then um, the uh, mince pie croissant. We've got a couple of flavours of those this year going a couple of weeks later. Yeah, and the rumour has it there's no calories in mince pie croissants. Is that true? Can you I, confirm I, or I, deny? I, I can't confirm or deny that. Okay, well, on that point, we'll have to leave it. We'll have to regularly test the mince pie croissant to find out. Thanks, Gary. Okay, thanks, Lee. So thanks to Gary again for taking part in our latest episode of the Nautisart Masters. I think you'll agree some really great points from Gary today and two or three that absolutely stood out for me. I loved his definition of operational excellence. Couldn't get much simpler than that. Uh, doing the simple things well. Also, the idea and the operational behaviours that sit behind that. Engaging with everybody confronting in terms of what we see whether that be good or bad so if consequence if you like too good or bad uh, inspiring people to be better and to grow and of course checking checking back closing the loop goes back to Jim Sullivan's what we permit we promote I also thought his thoughts around an operations director going out with a multi-site manager how to make that that time together effective the preparation that's so key and the coaching behaviors that sit behind stopping yourself taking over if you like and becoming almost a multi-unit manager, uh, him or herself. I think it's pretty critical. So thank you again to Gary. 
hope you've enjoyed this episode of Multisite Masters. As ever, our publisher and producer today is Sam Walsh. So thank you, Sam, for all your assistance. We look forward to uh, the next episode of the Multisite Masters. Take care, all.